Our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe, Lord, we're thankful for the Shabbat. We're thankful for your word. Enlighten our minds. Lead us in your ways. Lead us in your paths. For your honor and for your glory. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Our topic tonight is regarding Elijah and the Shunammite. From Shunam. All right. From 2 Kings chapter 4, starting in verse 8. Elijah went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman... And she persuaded him to eat some food. And so right from the start, it tells us a little bit about this lady. We never get her name. Just that uh, this woman, later on called the Shunammite, from Shunan. And, uh, but she's a notable woman, a great woman, a respected woman. And no doubt, we already see why. Because when Elijah would pass by, she would persuade him to stop and eat. And so God had blessed her with the gift of hospitality, that she had uh, empathy towards him. She saw that he's traveling and an uh, itinerant preacher going around and in need of ministering to. Right? The minister needs to be ministered to as well. And so she sensed that, and she invites him in to have some food. And so it goes right along with the first statement that she's a notable woman, that she's a, a great woman, a respected woman, a uh, woman a valor, a woman of renown, a woman of excellence. And so it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food, right? And so I guess he cooked good, right? So he, he, uh, he, anytime he was passing by, he made sure he was there around lunchtime, you know? And, uh, and so he found a nice place, a nice uh, hospitality, a nice place to uh, be entertained. And as the scriptures say, that sometimes we unknown or entertaining angels, and certainly Elijah wasn't an angel, but as Yeshua said, what you've done, the least that you've, what you've done unto the least of my brethren, and Elisha was just as least as all the rest of us, we've done unto him, unto God, and so, uh, and so in her ministering in this way, in her willing to take care of him and, and help him in this way and provide a meal for him, she was ministering to God and, uh, and demonstrating her love and her trust and her faith in God, and so a, a caring woman with a, with a large heart, willing to minister in this way to one of God's servants. And she said to her husband, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. And if her food was good enough, he made sure it was daily, you know. I mean, he passed by that way regularly. Please let us make a small upper room and let us put a bed for him there, a table and a chair and a lampstand. So whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And so our hospitality has now grown to not only giving him a meal every so often when he passes by, but let him stay the night. You know, sometimes, you know, he's passing by, there's no hotels, or the hotels are full, or, you know, he's got it difficult, and so let's make a place for him. And not just a bed, but let's place a table there that maybe he can even study and spend some time there, and a lamp, so in the nighttime, even after the sun has set, he can continue in his studies and, and find it a, a, a pleasant place to be. A place where he can uh, worship God and experience God and continue his labors for the Lord. And so that she has it all set up in her mind. And the godly woman that she is, she confers with her husband and they agree to do this. And so they build this upper room on top of their house. And, uh, which no doubt took some uh, work and some expense on their part. But they're willing to do this for the Lord, and she also sees he's a man of God. 
So she's in tune with that. She's in tune with he's a godly man, he's a prophet of the Lord, and she wants to encourage his presence in the home, and that's good. Because it brings you know, another couple angels into her home, and the presence of, of God as the man of God coming and praying in her home and blessing her in her home. And she's sensing that is a, is a win-win situation. She's blessing uh, unselfishly a man of God, and he's blessing her back with his presence there and the presence of prayer and the blessings that he's asking God upon her and, uh, and just, again, God's spirit and God's angels present with the more there. So hospitality, hospitality. And God calls us in different ways to show hospitality, calls us to open our hearts and our, uh, sometimes our homes to others, sometimes when bringing food, sometimes in giving a place to stay. God calls us to, to be, have the gift of hospitality as well. And some are able to do it to a different extent than others. This lady obviously was able to do it to this extent, to have regular meals for him and, and even a place to stay sometimes. Uh, not everyone has that ability, but we all can manifest love and demonstrate love to God and to others in some way, shape, or form. And she's noted for this. Again, we never get her name, but God knows her name, and God has recorded it in history. And she is known for this deed. Now, thousands of years later, we're still reading about this lady, this woman of Shunem, a notable woman. Take note of this woman. She's a good example, a godly example for us. And so Elijah and his servant Gehazi uh, came to the upper room and said, you have been good to us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak to the king or to the captain of the army? And she said, I live, I live among my own people. And so no doubt, again, if you can imagine uh, Elijah's uh, response to this. He's living, again, in northern part of Israel in the, the northern, with the northern tribes, which their king was not following the Lord God. Uh, uh, probably this might have been during the time of Jehu, which was certainly better than Ahab, but still a, a dark time in, in, uh, in history. And here he finds someone who is serving God, who does love God, who does respect him. We remember, uh, it wasn't long before this, sometime when, when uh, Elijah received the, uh, when Elijah was taken up to heaven and Elijah receives uh, the mantle and the official position, transferring of, of the authority from, from Elijah to Elijah, that he goes up and 42 young people mock him and call him bald head and bald, bald, bald head, go up, go up. Bald head, you bald man, and, uh, and disrespected in that way. But here is a lady who is showing respect, showing reverence to a man of God, showing reverence to God. And how that must have cheered his soul as he traveled up and down the, the, the hills and the, and the dusty roads and the rocky paths of Israel, traveling from, from Jericho to Gilgal to Bethel and various places through the land that he's traveling and ministering here to find someone who's not only giving him a meal, not only giving him a, a bed to sleep in, but built him his own room. That must have just overwhelmed him with gratitude and thankfulness to the Lord and to this family, to this couple. And so he says, well, what can I do to, to repay you? He's already been praying blessings upon her and asking God's presence in the home and in their lives. And so he asks her specifically, what can I do for you? I do know the king. I do know the commander of the army. 
Do you want me to go and speak to them? And so love is, 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 is responded. You know, if we want to receive love, be loving. And this lady is being loving, and, and she's receiving a positive response. And so he offers this, what can I do for you? What would you like me to do for you? What if the prophet of God asked you that? What could I do for you? What would you want? Another donkey? Another room? Bigger land? More prosperity? What would you want? Someone said, I could go to the president. I can go to Congress. I can go, I've got, I know some people in top positions. What can I do for you? What would you like me to do for you? And she says, no, I don't, I don't need anything. I am content. She was content with the Lord. She found in all things to be content. And that was a difficult time to live. Armies coming through and sometimes taking away everything you have. Taking, especially if you had land and farms, people would come through and take what you had. She could have asked for a guard. She could have asked for some protection, some extra protection. No, that's okay. We're content. We live by ourselves. We live with our people in our town here. And we are content. It's beautiful to have contentment. It's a wonderful gift of God to experience contentment. And really, as a choice, we can choose to be content. We can choose to be happy with what God has given to us. We can choose to be happy with the lot that God has ordained for us. We can choose to be content in our settings. And Paul, an amazing situation, writes, I have found, I've been rich, I've been poor, I've, I've had friends, I've been beaten, I've been accepted, I've been rejected. But in all things, I have found to be content, content with godliness. It's a choice. It's really a, a mindset. It's not in having enough that we can say, well, now I'm finally content. Once I get that house, or once I get that extra car, or once I get that newer car, or, or once I get uh, a little bit in the bank, or once I get that debt paid off, then I will be content. Once I find that spouse, once I find that job, then I will be content. Once I get that promotion, once I get that raise, then I'll have enough, then I will be content. And we find that if we have a criteria for being content, it's like a mirage and it continually moves on in front of us. The closer we get to it, it goes on, like that, that gold pot at the end of the rainbow. You can kind of find the end of the rainbow, and every time you get a little closer, it moves that much further away. You're never able to find it, never able to reach it. But when we choose, in whatever state we are in, in whatever our situation is, to choose to be content, choose to be thankful for what God has given us at this stage in our life, doesn't mean that we're not praying for God to enlarge our tent, as some people prayed in the Bible. It's not that we shouldn't be praying for God to open up doors. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be working hard to try and get that promotion or try and get that raise. It doesn't even mean we shouldn't even ask for that raise. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be uh, praying for the right spouse or the right 
thing or looking to buy a house or to improve our situation to get a more reliable car. But while we are doing those things, we can still be content with what we have at the moment, being content with today. So easy to think, boy, I can't wait until I get this class done. I can't wait until I graduate this grade. I can't wait until that, that person finally moves away. I can't wait until finally this next thing happens. And there's always something else that we can't wait till. I can't wait till the kids grow up. I can't wait till, till you know, this next stage. I can't wait till I retire. And there's always a can't wait till. There's always something. Finally, when we reach that thing, something else comes along that we can't wait till it's over with. Can't wait till summer's here. I can't wait till fall is here. I can't wait till winter. Yeah, there's always a can't waiting. I'm surprised this past fall, winter, spring that we had was great. It was six months of beautiful weather. And I heard some people at the end of it saying, boy, I can't wait till it gets warmer. <laughs> well, we got warmer eventually, you know. <laughs> we got plenty warm. Can't we, you know, always looking ahead. But this lady was content. And we could choose to be content in whatever state we're in. That's even Paul again in prison and beaten and shipwrecked and all the different things that he went through. It's a choice to be content. And she was that way. Another check in her notable woman status. She was hospitable even to the point of building an extra room. She provided meals. She recognized the man of God for what he was, in tune spiritually, and also was content. And after she left, Elijah said to his servant, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, well, she has no son and her husband is old. Now I wonder why Elijah couldn't see that. <laughs> Maybe he was just testing his servant. Maybe he was just testing the Shunammite woman and asking, what do you want? Why he didn't offer that? Why he didn't come up with it himself? Maybe he just you know, wasn't in tune with those kind of things. But his servant sees it. And why didn't the lady ask for that? Why didn't the lady say, you know, uh, my husband's getting old and I don't have uh, any sons to take care of the farm after he dies and take care of me and that was your retirement package then. Your retirement package was your kids. Again, nowadays it seems the other way around, but, but that was important. And so, why didn't she ask for that? She probably had a longing for children. Why didn't she ask for that? Because she had learned to be content. And probably with so many years that she had just dealt with it so well and just surrendered it to the Lord so well, even when it's offered, what would you like me to do? It, it didn't come to mind, possibly. But she was content with what she had. She was content with her lot. And again, maybe Elijah was kind of testing her because he didn't say, I can go to God and ask what he wants. I can go to the king and I can go to the army commander. So he might have been feeling her out, I don't know, but... But she just gave the answer, I'm okay, we're okay. We're happy giving. And when we're giving, when God gives us the spirit, when we, when we have God in our hearts, we have the gift of giving, as this lady had. 
When we are receiving and constantly wanting to receive, it's a demonstration that God hasn't filled our heart. That's why we're needing to fill, trying to fill that heart with something else. Always going to other people, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. But when we surrendered self, surrendered sin, accepted the Messiah's sacrifice for the death of the old nature, and accepted God's spirit to come in and fill us, it's overflowing. And it's overflowing to the point of giving to others and not then even sensing our need. This is the point where the lady's at. She's content. Yeah, God will, if God wills it, then it will be. She wasn't desperate. And so Elijah calls her back in the room, and, and he said to her, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. So this is something she's desiring. It's just too good to be true. Her expectation may be year after year after year, and there might be some here that can relate to that. Year after year longing, and then when the possibility, someone even suggesting it, it just sounds, don't disappoint me again. She might have been disappointed a few times. She might have had some false pregnancies at times. So don't lie to me. Don't get my hopes up. It's too good to be true. So she was desiring it. And the woman did conceive and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. The miracle of God. And we're seeing some parallels here of this lady and now her son and a lady comes several hundred years later, Miriam, also a notable woman, also a godly woman, who God comes to and promises a son, a miraculous son. And she also can't believe it, also doubts it when the message comes to her. And she also conceives and bears a son. So this lady of Shunem, she conceives, and you can imagine the joy in the home for her and her husband. Amazing, a miracle, a miracle of God. Here we wanted to do a kindness, and God has repaid our kindness. We weren't doing it for selfish motives. We weren't giving so God would give back to us. We were giving because God filled our heart with love. And God blessed back. And the child grew. And the scriptures talk about Yeshua, who also grew. It says he grew in stature with God and with man. And this child is growing and growing under her teaching and growing under this lady's love and, her fa and his father's love, growing in that home. And he grows to a certain age who doesn't tell us exactly how old, but he grows to the point where one day he, he's able to go out with his father and the reapers. So he's probably, you know, I don't know, big enough to go out with the reapers, maybe five, six, seven, eight, and he's out there with the men. Maybe he can't, you know, cut the hay and swing a... A sickle, but he can maybe gather up some of the, 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 the droppings and tie them together and help in some way, shape, or form. Or maybe just get in the way, but he's out there with the men. He's old enough that his mom feels confident and comfortable enough. Go ahead, go out with your dad. And so he's out there with the men, and they're working away. And, and he said to his father, my head, my head. You know, I can get pretty hot in Israel. 
He's out there working and toiling. Maybe he didn't drink enough water. His head starts to pound. Maybe sunstroke or something, or maybe something else. Maybe a tumor. But his head is pounding. He cries out, my head, my head. And so his father, he said uh, to his servant, carry him to his mother. Father's busy. His father's out there with many other servants out there. They've got to get the harvest done. They're counting the omer, maybe. I don't know if it's the spring harvest or the fall harvest, but they're, you know, they only got so much time before the season ends. And, and so they're out there working hard. And so he asked one of the servants, go and carry him to his mom. You know, he just wasn't quite old enough for the job yet. And he'll feel better. Just take him home and let him get some rest, get him some water, take him home. So the servant carries him back to his mom. And she sits him on his, her knees until noon. He was out there, not even a full day. In noon time, he dies. Dies in her arms, dies in her lap. You can imagine the heartbreak for her. Here, all these years, not having a child, and then finally being told you're going to have a child. Unbelievable. I don't believe it. Don't lie to me. Finally gets the child, and the child for a few years. And then on her lap, her very son, her only son, dies. The anguish that some of us here might be able to relate to. Losing a child. I haven't experienced that, but I'm told that the grief of losing a child is sometimes harder on people than, than losing a spouse of even 50 years. Just so out of place, it's just so unnatural for our own children to predecease us that <clears throat> plays havoc on the mind if we don't have the Lord it can really bring people down I've seen couples break up over things like this and, and so her distress unimaginable and again we see the parallel with Miriam and Yeshua who also died in his mother's presence and the heartbreak that she must have experienced. And so she laid him on the bed of the man of God, carries him up to the upper room and lays him on that bed. Why not his own bed? Why not her bed? She takes him up to the man of God's bed. She knows this is where the man of God sleeps. No doubt God's presence is still here. God's angel is still here. This is where he prayed. This is where he read his Bible. This is where he had his table and his lampstand. So she brings him up to that room and lays him in Elisha's bed. And then she went out. And she went to her husband and said, please send me a young man and a donkey that I may run to the man of God and come back. And he said, why are you going to him today? It's neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. And so he begins to get curious. Something's up here. Obviously another indication of what makes her and him a notable couple, notable woman, a notable man. That on the Sabbaths and on the new moon, they would gather together. They would go to where the man of God was. Where, where people were gathering to worship the Lord. They would travel on the Sabbath and on the new moon for the, for the services. And so he said, well, it's not the Sabbath. It's not a new moon. Why are you going? Is there something wrong? That's the time when we go. I mean, the man of God comes here, but we don't go there unless 
is a time of worship. Is there a worship thing going on now that I didn't know about? Is there a call to prayer? Is something going on that I don't know about? Is everything all right? Is everything all right with the boy? And she says, it is well. Now, maybe she doesn't want to disturb him. Maybe she doesn't want him to get all upset. Maybe she knows how much the boy means to him. She knows he's got work to do. Maybe she's trusting or knows there's nothing he can do about it. So why get him upset? She tells him, don't worry about it. Everything's okay. Everything is well. It is well. And she said to her servant, drive and do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So there they are on their donkeys and charging away towards Elijah. And we can imagine how close Elijah got with this boy. This is the prayed for boy. I can imagine the, every time Elijah comes by for something to eat or every time Elijah comes and stays over, the boy is wanting to go up and play in Elijah's room with him and Gehazi and, and he tells him stories. Oh, tell me, tell me again about Elijah going up. Tell me again about, about uh, how you promised my mom I was going to be born. Tell me again how you, how you turned that water in Jericho, how God did that miracle, and, and how it turned and became sweet and good water. Tell me again about the Jordan River parting as you, as you prayed and you took your prayer shawl. Oh, can I pray under that prayer shawl? You can imagine the two of them. And as he, Elijah's coming towards the house and Little boy sees him away off. The boy says, Mom, can I go and, uh, and catch up to Prophet Elijah? Oh, yeah, go ahead. They go running down the road. Elijah, Elijah, Elijah. And then walking together to the house together. And so she's going to the man of God and driving. Don't slow down for anything. And so Elijah sees her far off, and he said to Gehazi, look, the Shunammite woman. It's not the new moon. It's not the Sabbath. What's she coming here for? Run to her and say, is it well with you, with your husband, with your child? And she says to Gehazi, it is well. And why does she say that to Gehazi? Maybe the same reason she said it to her husband. Maybe she had faith. In God, God's going to work this out. God's got a plan. You can't do anything about it, so I'm not going to worry you about it. <laughs> You're not the man of God. You're not the prophet. I'm not going to worry your head about it. I'm not going to worry, worry my husband's head about it. God's going to work something out. I trust God. And so it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Sometimes I've seen people complain about every, to everybody except the one who can actually help them out. Sometimes even here, things around the synagogue. Sometimes I'm the last one to hear. And there's some things I don't need to hear about, but there's some things that I don't do need to hear about, and sometimes I'm the last one to hear about it. There are other things that other people can take care of, but that's not the type of thing I'm referring to. But here she's going to the man who can help out. I'm going to see Elijah. He can help me out. You can't help me out, so don't worry about it. Everything's fine. You can't raise the boy. So she's going to Elijah. Going to the one who can help. And in our struggles and in our problems, we need to go to the Lord. And to people who will intercede for us. 
men and women of God who will pray with us and will comfort us and help us and encourage us and lift us up. So she's just not about, again, she's content. This is part of contentment, even in a problem. She's not in denial of it. She's going to Elijah and running on the donkey as fast as possible. But she's not complaining to everybody she sees either. And when she came to the man of God, she caught him by the feet. He came near to brush her away. <laughs> what are you doing? But the man of God said, let her alone. For her soul is in deep distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. And that is interesting. So there she is. She finally breaks down. She's been holding her face pretty good in front of her husband. She's been holding her face pretty good in front of her servant. She's held her face pretty good in front of Gehazi. But when she gets to Elijah, it all just comes out. She falls at his feet. And Elijah senses something's not right. Something is not well. And the Lord hid it from him. You know, some people think that the prophets know everything. As if the prophets are God. Prophets aren't God. Prophets don't know everything. Prophets only know what God wants them to know when God wants them to know it. See, people hold prophets of the Lord up to too high a standard. They're humans also. They make mistakes. The only difference is, is that they've got that gift. Some people have the gift of hospitality. and Others in times, God has given the gift of prophecy. So here's a good example. Elijah says, God hasn't showed it to me. God hasn't shown me what's up. God didn't show him that the boy was going to die. I wonder why. Why didn't God show Elijah that? Why wouldn't he prepare Elijah for this experience? Elijah could have been there ahead of time. Elijah could have made it along that way. Elijah could have been staying there overnight when this took place. Elijah could have been closer by. Maybe like Lazarus, whom Yeshua raised from the dead. God was working out a purpose. God was working this out for the woman of Shunem. Say, working this out for the woman of Shunem? God allowed her son to die? God allows her to go through this stress? God allows her to just heart be broken? To, to, to run at break speed as fast as a donkey can go? Cause this trouble in her heart for her sake? God maybe wants to expand her faith. God may be wanting to expand your faith. May God, maybe God has allowed some trouble to go through in your life as a test to see, well, what will you do? Will you curse God? Will you take it to the Lord and will you take it to people who will pray? Or will you just go around everybody around you and just complain? She had a couple of options. She could have seen the boy is dead and just given up right there. When the husband comes home, or just run out to him and say it's over. She could have gotten depressed. She could have gotten suicidal. She could have hated God. She could have just cried her eyes out to everybody. But God is demonstrating that she will trust me in making it an example for us. And so God hides it from Elijah for a reason. And so, verse 28, she said, Did I ask for a son, my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? 
I didn't ask for this. You asked me, what do I want? I said, I'm content. Why'd you bring a son and then take him away? When you said I was going to have a son, I said, don't lie to me. Got an Indian giver? That's a bad term. I don't know why I said You know, I never even thought of that. Term. That's a horrible thing, isn't it? I never thought of that before. Well, take that back. Let's rewind that there. Okay. Does God give and then take away? No good thing will God withhold from them that walk uprightly. It's a good text to quote when you're wanting to feel content, when you're wanting to choose to be content. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. And if I don't have a good thing, then either one or two things. I'm not walking uprightly, or it's not a good thing for me. And God knows what's good for me and what's not good for me. So allow God to search your heart, my heart. Like God, search me. Am I walking uprightly? Is there any area I'm not walking uprightly? And then if God shows you that you are, or he takes away whatever you're not, confess that and give that over to him. And we can be content because God will give us all the good things that he knows are good for us today. And then if God, like Job says, the Lord bless, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. But our heart is breaking, and we can understand that. And so it's pouring out. And again, she, I believe she has faith, even as she's pouring out her feelings here, because she went to Elijah. If this was all she felt, she'd just say that to her husband. I didn't ask for the child. I told the man of God, don't lie to me. And there he lied to me. And she'd just be complaining about it to others. But she's taking it to Elijah. So she's just pouring out her heart, but she has faith that Elijah's going to do something. Because she's also saying, you promised not to deceive me, so I know there's a plan. I know God has a plan. I trust you. You're a man of God. And God impressed you I was going to have a child. So God must have a plan. And God has a plan for each one of us as well. Amen. And so he said to Gehazi, take my staff and go, well, also again with that parallel, you can imagine again Miriam and the disciples, their disappointment when Yeshua died. The hopes they had and not understanding why. But not breaking up either and not blaming God either. They stayed together in prayer and comforting one another. So verse 29, And he said to Gehazi, Take my staff and go. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. If anyone greets you, do not answer. But lay my staff on the face of the child. Run. Go. Gehazi's younger than Elijah, I guess, and he's able to go and run and take off. So he says, Go on ahead. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. That's an interesting phrase that she says. If you remember, that's word for word what Elisha said to Elijah. When Elijah, the day Elijah was going to be taken up, and he was going from town to town, and he said to Elijah, you stay here, God has called me on to Jericho. God has called me on and the other side of Jordan. And he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So maybe this lady heard that story. Maybe one of the nights when Elisha was there, staying overnight or eating a meal and telling the child a story, she heard the very words. 
And she said, as you were faithful to Elijah and would not leave him, and God blessed you, and God gave you a double portion of his spirit, and God gave you his talit, I will not leave you either. I'm not letting go. I will not let you go like Jacob wrestling with the angel. I will not let you go unless you bless me. And she's saying, I'm not leaving here. I'm not leaving your side. I will not leave you as the Lord lives. So she believes in the Lord. She's still trusting him through her trial. I will not forsake you, Lord. You have not forsake me, and I will not forsake you. I will not leave you. Hang on. Whatever problem you're going through, whatever disappointment you're going through, whatever grief you're going through, whether it's grief of a loss of a child, grief of a loss of a loved one, grief of a loss of a position or a job or financial situation, grief of, of loss of some hope that you had, some way, shape, or form you were let down, don't let go of God. Hold on. Hold on fast. And not let God go. And that no doubt stirred up Elijah's heart. Hearing the same words that he said, this lady is committed to the Lord. And so they're making their way back to her house. And Gehazi went ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. And he went back and he told them the child is not yet awakened. They're continuing on. Maybe in silence. Just imagine what's going through her mind and what's going through... Elijah's mind, no doubt, is praying as they're walking or traveling. Maybe riding on that donkey. Or... Elijah came into the house and shut the door behind the two of them. Just him and the boy. Not the mother, not Gehazi. And he prayed to the Lord. Man of prayer. There's a double portion of God's spirit upon him. Praying to the Lord. She was spent all night in prayer sometime. Prayer is power. Lays hold of the power of God. Why do we pray so little? When prayer is the key that opens the door to heaven. Where God has boundless resources to pour out to us. Why don't we pray more? Why aren't we instant in prayer, in all our problems, in all our troubles, in all our griefs, in all the tests, in all the trials? Elijah, man of God, no doubt praying the whole walk there, praying to the Lord as he enters the room. And he lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. That's kind of a unique thing there. I don't know. It's, that was before they did CPR, right? But he's praying and I guess God impressed him to do this, right? He's praying and lays down on top of that child. And the flesh of the child becomes warm. Life starting to come back into this child. And so he returned and walked back and forth in the house. Praying and walking back and forth, still praying. The child hasn't gotten up yet, but he's getting warmer. 
And he's still praying. So it's not an instantaneous miracle. And sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers instantaneously. Sometimes God doesn't answer on the first time. But the word of the Lord encourages us to be instant in prayer and continuous in prayer. And that's how Elijah was, praying and continuing in prayer. And again, he went up and stretched himself on him, and then the child sneezed seven times. Seven, again, the person was sneezing out whatever, I don't know, whatever was in there. Sneezed it out. And the child opened his eyes. The joy in Elijah's heart. Joy in heaven, rejoicing at the power of God. God might not have awoken your loved one who's died so quickly as God raised this child. But we have God's promise. We have God's assurance that there is a wakening up day. There's a wakening up morning on the last day when the loud trump sounds and God shouts, awake. The voice of the archangel. Awake. Awake you that are resting in the grave. Awake. And they will wake up and they will rise up. And awake to see the Lord coming in the air. Coming in the clouds. And we will be gathered together with them to meet the Lord in the air. God's given us an assurance And God demonstrating here in this instant his power to resurrect, his power to give life again to those that have died is an assurance that God will awaken, God will raise, God will resurrect those who are asleep in the Messiah, who are resting in God. Let us hold fast to God. I will not let you go. Hold fast till the end. For he who endures till the end shall be saved. And have the privilege of seeing our loved ones awakened. And Elijah calls the Shumite woman and says, Pick up your son. He lives. He lives. And again, Miriam and the other Disciples are in the upper room. And Mary, different Mary, Magdala goes down to the tomb. And Yeshua rises from the grave. She also so excited she falls at his feet and wants to touch him. She runs back to the disciples and to Miriam. He's alive. He's alive. And because he lives, we will live again as well. Because he lives, we will live for eternity as well. In this story, again, the parallel there demonstrates that if God is able to raise the Shunammite son, he's also able to raise his son. And if God is able to raise the Shunanite son and able to raise his son, he's able to raise our sons and our daughters, our mothers and our fathers, our sisters and our brothers, our husbands and our wives. He is well able. 
because God lives. A lady goes, no doubt, running up the stairs, and she, before she even embraces the son, she falls at Elijah's feet. She does not forget to thank God and to thank God's messenger before she goes and embraces her son. She puts God first and thank, is thankful. And that's what we've seen in our whole life. Putting God first. Before her own needs, I'm content. She put God first and God's messenger first. And here, even in this situation, no doubt we couldn't falter for grabbing the son first and turning and thanking Elijah and thanking God at the same time. But she falls at his feet and thanks him. And then she picks up her son and goes out. And now the boy has another bedtime story to hear when Elijah comes to visit. Of how God raised him from the dead. And again, as we've talked in the past, of course, this boy doesn't tell any stories. We never hear any story of him because, again, as the Bible tells us, he rested until he was awakened. We can imagine them sitting on the step that night, Elijah and Gehazi back home at their home, and wherever they would stay. And them talking about the events of the day. The father finally comes home and he hears the whole story. And them saying, you know, we began to give Elijah food, a meal, out of a demonstration of love, out of a demonstration of kindness. And we built their room for them, a demonstration of kindness and love and godliness. And the kindness has come back on us. And the kindness has come back on us twice fold. Kindness always comes back. God's calling us to be kind. God's calling us to have a heart of charity, a heart of love, a heart of giving a heart of contentment. So down through the ages, our name might not be known, but we'd be known as the notable person. And the deeds and the records will go before us of how God lived out of us and through us. And so as we pray tonight, what lesson is there for you? What is God speaking to you about? Maybe there's some area that he's calling you to be content. Maybe there's some area in your life that you've, right now going through that you're not happy with, not content with. Maybe there's someone God's calling you to be hospitable to, to be kind to, to be nice to. Maybe to entertain one of God's children or one of God's angels in some way, shape, or form. What's God calling you to do? Maybe you're going through some trial and some difficulty and God's calling you to hang on in faith right now and to not let go to trust, and to trust him and trust him alone. Maybe you've been going around and telling everybody else, but have forgotten to tell God. Forgotten to bring it to the prayer warriors. Forgotten to bring it to people who will intercede with you. What are your needs tonight? What is God giving in your heart? What does God want to use you for? What gift has he called you for? For? Maybe to intercede on someone's behalf. Maybe to be hospitable to somebody. 
whatever again applies to you tonight. God was, wants to repay kindness by giving us the gift of kindness. So we pray together. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we are thankful, Lord, for your everlasting love, and we are thankful, Lord, for this example, parallel of your great love and giving of your Son and the demonstration of the death, burial, and resurrection. We're thankful, Yeshua, for doing that. We're thankful for doing that in this young boy's life. We're thankful, Lord, for the promise of resurrection. Give us hope and steadfastness to hold on and to endure by your strength till the end. Lord, fill us with your mind and fill us with your spirit. Fill us with a trust in you and a contentment in you and a peace in you. Remove all selfishness from us and fill us with your spirit so that kindness and charity and generosity and love and hospitality and the gifts of your spirit pour out of us. Work in us and through us for your honor and glory. And you should.